This is the Brian Kelly Press Conference, presented by Hancock Whitney. Going into the year two, we understand a lot of those things necessary to be competitive and win games. Now it's how do you do it week in and week out. As LSU hosts the Arkansas Razorbacks inside Death Valley. Cut down, mighty Tigers! Coach Kelly is coming up, but first, from inside the Capital One studio on the campus of LSU, here are your hosts, former Tiger, Gordy Rush, and the voice of your fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. Good Monday morning, Tiger fans. Welcome in. It's another Brian Kelly press conference this week brought to you by Hancock Whitney. Of course, it was a stomping in Starkville this past Saturday. LSU with the early start. No problem. Coach Brian Kelly, to paraphrase a little bit, wanted to get off to a quick start, fast start, keep the hammer down, and leave no doubt. And Gordy Rush, that's exactly what we witnessed at Davis Wade Stadium this past Saturday as LSU en route to a 41-14 victory. So much we could talk about that game that uh, goes in the positive column. It starts with the play of Jaden Daniels. It starts with the play of Malik Neighbors, who just moments ago uh, deservedly so, the Southeastern Conference announcing they are co-offensive players of the week. Their numbers dictate that must happen. Very deserving, both of them. They were they were outstanding. The whole team was outstanding, especially the first half of that football game. Chris, I look. I go back to six a.m. breakfast. I went to go get an omelet, and we we had music, very loud music, next door <laughs> in the team breakfast room. So uh, Coach Kelly did a great job having this team ready to go for the early kickoff. Yeah, you mentioned that because you know listening to Coach Kelly a little bit on Monday last week in the in the opening press conference, and then he touched on it. Um, on Thursday night during his weekly radio show, you know, I asked him, you know, would you rather play, if you're on the road, would you rather play early so that you can get back? And, and he said it all comes down to having the guys ready and the guys understanding that if it's an early start, yeah, we get to celebrate a victory at home mm-hmm. early on Saturday evening, but you got to be ready to go right out of the gate. And you mentioned it was uh, a boisterous breakfast uh, on Saturday morning, and then we had a little stopover and stretch. And, you know, Coach Kelly addressed it after the game in the press conference because a lot of people were asking us when we got there, wait a minute, you guys stopped like 20 minutes outside of town? And yes, we did. And, and probably spent, what, 20 minutes with a stretch and, and maybe just walked through talking things over a little bit. And Coach Kelly said, hey, look, it's an hour drive yes. from the hotel to the stadium, uh, and the bus was leaving at 7.15, 7.30. I didn't want our guys as you might tend to do, take a little nap on the way to uh, Davis Wade. So that way they got the blood pumping, they got some energy, and then they were ready to go from the word jump on Saturday just after 11 o'clock. You know something Coach Kelly has used since the, the end of the Florida State game? He has said playing the game the right way playing physical, playing nasty, and, and LSU played with an edge, and it was really nice to see, Chris, especially on the offensive line. Offensive linemen getting after Mississippi State, they were a little chippy out there, but it set the tone for a dominant performance. Yeah, you said it. Uh, I think one of the penalties uh, after the fact uh, whistled against LSU in that game, and you said, hey, you know, you, you don't want to see penalties, and you don't want it to cost you. At that point, though, LSU did have the game in hand, and you said, you know, to have a little bit of that attitude, a little bit of swagger, um, if you play a little bit beyond the whistle or, or, or maybe get a little uh, chippy, as you said, uh, you like to see that. And I tell you, this LSU defense, and, and, and I wanted to start with Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors because they were just incredible, and that's why they're co-offensive players of the week. 30 of 34 completions, which is incredible. 361 yards, two passing touchdowns. Jaden also led the team in rushing 
uh, with 64 yards, also had two rushing scores. Malik Neighbors, a career high, just incredible job. 13 catches, 239 yards, two touchdowns. And, and it really felt like he had more than two touchdowns in the game because they just, Mississippi State had absolutely no answer to put somebody on Malik Neighbors. But I want to switch quickly to the defense because just before we went underway here, you and I were discussing the fact that Coach Kelly talks about getting off the field in time. Uh, I think they were 1 of 11 on third down. They were 0 for 8 when the game was really being battled. Right. Uh, so they the defense was getting Mississippi State off the field, and there were two plays over 20 yards for Mississippi State. Marks had the big 52-yard run that set up that score late in the second quarter, uh, and then they had a pass play to Xavier Thomas that went for 22 yards. But only four yards per play and they didn't have a bunch of plays to begin with. Absolutely. Look, I, I think what LSU did well is that defensively, they took away the bread and butter of what Mississippi State wanted to do. They wanted to be physical and run the football like they did against Arizona. And LSU's defense did a great job of shutting down the Mississippi State running game. And then when it was time to pass, they got after Will Rogers. It was a long afternoon for Will Rogers. He was on the run. He was not accurate. He was on his butt half the time. Just a fantastic performance. You said early on in the radio broadcast that even though they hadn't got home yet, LSU would eventually get four sacks but they were certainly disrupting the rhythm uh, of Will Rogers, who you and I have both seen. You know, that's one of the things that made him effective in the air raid was, A, he's got a ton of options to throw to on every snap, and B, he got rid of the football quick. He didn't look comfortable from the start because even when he was given time and even when the play was starting to develop in their favor, you were seeing uncharacteristic throws at the shoe tr- uh, strings, mm-hmm. top of the shoes. By Will Rogers, it just, um, it just again, it wasn't a great day for him. His percentage uh, was right around 30%, uh, but a lot of that has to go with, to LSU. Absolutely, a lot with LSU. And, look, it's, it's a tough situation Mississippi State with Coach Le- Leach passing. They decided to keep it in-house. They wanted to have a transition offensively, and I, I think folks don't realize just how, what a big transition that is to go from the air raid, not only for the quarterback, the receivers, the offensive line as well. Offensive line, that ball's coming out quick. There's more zone schemes. It's not quite the physical dominating scheme. I think they're asking for, for folks to do. There's not as much pulling in, in that air raid. So it's, it's a different look, and you could tell Mississippi State very much in the transition of that, and they struggled offensively against LSU. And again, the energy that LSU played with and, and really just imposing their will from start to finish and defensively, you come into that game and you realize Omar Spates is not going to be there at linebacker. You realize that Greg Brooks is unavailable. Suddenly, again, we're, we're all learning where Harold Perkins' best fits. Right. But you do need somebody in the middle. If you're not going to put him inside, you need somebody, obviously. And what a game by Whit Weeks, the freshman out of Watkinsville, Georgia, younger brother of Wes Weeks, led the team eight tackles, Several solo, had quarterback hurries. He was impressive, along with the rest of the defense. I thought the secondary played well. Yes. But but the linebackers in that front seven overall, Makai Wingo, uh, Mason uh, Smith, I mean, those guys played incredible. Some of the plays that Weeks made, uh, there was a key blitz in, in which he came late and uh, his running back block that he was watching, he came in there late and, and, and popped Rodgers and, and caused a hurry on the ball. The ball was incomplete, incomplete. And then there was another running play, which he did just a fundamentally sound job of working inside out, staying behind the football, 
filling that gap responsibility and go making a clean tackle. You don't see too many true freshmen uh, look like that come into the SEC and play football. He was impressive. You know, I have said this many times. It is very impressive to be around Coach Kelly, his entire staff, the entire organization, because everything is accounted for. And one of the things as we kind of put to bed the Mississippi State game that he has said after one year going on the road in the SEC in these tough venues if you play well. I think he had a theory going in, mm-hmm. but I think it's solidified. It's a fact now, and he lets his team understand. If you go in and play well, those tough atmospheres go away. Yes. And without question, I mean, the cowbells were rocking. I couldn't hear you. You probably couldn't hear me prior to kickoff. And before halftime, that play started emptying. Well, the combination of LSU playing well and that game not being at night. You get that place <laughs> hopping a little bit like every other SEC venue at night. It's one of the tougher places to play. Chris, it's the only place where I have both 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 ears, earplugs in because it's that loud. They were ready. Uh, and, and State, the, they've done a wonderful job with that facility and the stadium and, and the fan base. There's, Bulldogs just didn't give them anything to cheer about. No doubt about it. Like a... Some of those heavyweight uh, fights, you take that first punch early, you never recover, and that's kind of what LSU did to Mississippi State on Saturday. They pick up the win 41-14, to and LSU now 2-1 and on the season. More importantly, 1-0 and early on in the SEC. They got another Southeastern Conference game coming up Saturday. Back at home, this time under the lights, a Saturday night in Death Valley. It's going to be Arkansas. We're going to talk about that uh, in the next 10 minutes. We'll take a break here. Don't forget, coming up, At high noon, we'll have Coach Brian Kelly address the media and set the tone for this week's action as LSU hosts Arkansas later the week. We'll continue right after this, the Brian Kelly Press Conference presented by Hancock Whitney. Coach Kelly is just moments away from previewing the week for the Fighting Tigers. This is the Brian Kelly Press Conference presented by Hancock Whitney. Once again, here are Gordy and Chris. Well, it's the Battle of the Boot coming up in Baton Rouge this Saturday, 6 p.m. or thereabouts. It'll be kickoff between Arkansas and LSU. Coming up, we'll go to the Lawton Room uh, next to Tiger Stadium. As Coach Brian Kelly, uh, as always, will kind of set the tone with an opening statement, then take questions from the assembled media. Um, Arkansas coming in. A couple things stand out to me, Gordy. Number one, this is going to be the first road trip for the Razorbacks this season. They hosted Western Carolina in Little Rock to open up the season uh, winning that one easily, 56-13. Then Kent State came to Fayetteville, 28-6. Wasn't the prettiest of games against the Flashes. And then this past Saturday night in Fayetteville, it was BYU and Arkansas, and it looked like it was going to come down. I mean, it was a shootout. Both teams were scoring. Both teams were making plays. K.J. Jefferson carrying the Razorbacks. Um, who would blink and who would maybe blink most? And as it turned out, it was Arkansas. Two costly turnovers in the second half. Um, went into the fourth quarter, tie ball game, 31-all, and in 15 minutes of action in that fourth quarter, only BYU could find the end zone. I, I tell you, Arkansas, they were their own worst enemy. 14 penalties on the night. The two turnovers, as you mentioned, both of them costly. Arkansas owned the time of possession by 10 minutes in this football game. They led by 10 at the half, had 120 yards more in total offense, and lost this game 38-31. In fact, BYU had 38 points on just 200, what was it, 280 yards, I believe, of total offense. And, and just a game statistically that, that Arkansas dominated, but, but the, too many mistakes. I know they were without Rocket Sanders, which is a big loss yes. to them offensively. Uh, I know you've heard that uh, the rumor mill is, maybe we'll find out later in the week, that he would be ready in return for the game on Saturday. 
But we all know K.J. Jefferson is is the showpiece of this offense. And again, he was doing a little bit of everything, as you would expect, especially in the first two quarters, a little bit of the third quarter, running the ball when need be. Maybe I was a little surprised they didn't run him more uh, against BYU, especially the fact that the BYU front four yeah. were getting pressure on Jefferson. And, and one of those turnovers resulted after a fumble. Uh, actually, they, they knocked the ball free on two occasions. Arkansas got it back once. But it was a four-man rush yes. getting yep. to the Arkansas quarterback. A lot, of, a lot of criticism out there, at least from the Arkansas fans, on, on that Arkansas. One, the offensive line. They've got some folks injured. They've had to move some people around. They struggled with B, BYU's front. I, I believe there was five penalties in the last drive on the offensive line. They were trying to go down and, and tie that football game. And then you toss in the Dan Enos came down from Maryland to replace Kendall Bryles that, that had been the offensive coordinator with Jefferson all those years. So you got a transition going on. They're not running quite the tempo that they ran under Bryles. So all of it's new. And we talked a little bit of Mississippi State going through a transition. This one's not as big as what they're trying to do at State, but certainly um, Arkansas offense made too many mistakes to win that football game. As you said, Arkansas statistically, uh, outside of the 14 penalties, and as I said, I think the two costly turnovers, BYU would cough it up on one occasion. Uh, But there were some success for BYU throwing the football, going at the secondary for Arkansas in that game. Yeah, Arkansas a year ago was was dead last in points given up in the the SEC, and this was before Barry Odom moved on to – uh, UNLV to be to be the head coach at UNLV. So this is a, a defense that had a lot of question marks going into the season. Travis Williams was the defensive coordinator with Gus Malzahn over at Central Florida. He has come up to Arkansas, promised more of an attacking, blitzing uh, star type of play. And then Drew Sanders and, and Bumper Pool, they're, they're two-star middle linebackers, they, they they moved on. They're not there any longer. So a lot of new faces. And, and so this Arkansas defense, look, I think under the circumstances, played well. I mean, to keep BYU under 300 points. I know 38 points doesn't sound that well. They didn't keep them out of the end zone, but they played well enough to win this football game. Yeah, you mentioned that there is some concern about how you utilize K.J. Jefferson in this new offensive scheme uh, with Dan Enos uh, obviously coming in for, for Kendall Bryles. You look at it, 24 of 35. He obviously was was throwing the football quite a bit, had the one interception. Uh, running the football, I guess, is where it is most surprising. Right. 13 carries, 21 net yards when you factor in the, the four sacks BYU was able to get. Um, you know, when you look at some of the big games Arkansas has won with K.J. Jefferson at the helm, the highlight reel is him running the football and carrying smaller defensive backs Absolutely. You know, down the field. And, that, and that's what makes them so difficult to, to, to defend is you've got – to account for Jefferson in in the run game. Last year, you recall, he didn't play against LSU. Right. We saw him two years ago here in, in Tiger Stadium. So you got to imagine uh, that, that uh, Coach House is going to have some plays ready for Harold Perkins Jr., once again, spy on Jefferson. We, we saw him do so, such a good job with Richardson and some other athletic quarterbacks last year. That's got to be in the game plan this week. Every week is uh, going to be its own challenge, and I know it's easy for us, Gordy, to look back and say, okay, what the issues were in the opening game against Florida State, which, again, I, I hate to have to put this asterisk around it, but Florida State, I know they struggled a little bit against Boston College and had every reason to lose that game Saturday, but they're a good team. Good team. But the things that LSU could control that they did not do very well in week number one, they certainly cleaned it up against Grambling. We had no idea how that would translate to the game against Mississippi State. Again, all the things that you didn't have, just all the way down to just the fire, the passion, the energy, all of that was there on the road at 11 a.m. 
now you come in. I don't think you got to manufacture energy coming no, no. up on Saturday. No, no. Look, the execution was sharp. You talk about 30 or 34 out of Jaden Daniels. I, I thought he took what the Mississippi State defense gave him, did an excellent job putting LSU in the right play, and, and what we talked about from jump. Uh, the difference for me in this football game, and they didn't necessarily need it against Grambling, but they needed it on the road at Mississippi State, is they came out, they were physical, they played nasty, and they got after him. Well, I, as we said, Whit Weeks played a phenomenal game, and his future is certainly bright, not only down the road, but right here in the foreseeable future. Um, well, hopefully, we'll, we'll get an update. I'm sure somebody's going to ask Coach Kelly about Omar Spates, obviously Greg Brooks, because, uh, again, it's great to, to build that depth with a true freshman in Whit Weeks, but, but you want to have some overall depth as we continue going through this conference schedule. Yeah, look, I think one of the big pluses of this LSU defense and the way that they played last year, you recall, uh, across the line, it, it was it was Ollie Gay, it was Jay Roy, it was Wingo, and it was Ojulari, and it was them for 85 to 90% of the snaps. And you need bodies to get through the SEC schedule. And LSU's playing at least 10 people in that front six when they, they get into just a, a four-man base and, and those two linebackers. And to have that many people play and play well is a huge plus. I mentioned that it's the battle of the boot. I, I think most LSU fans would agree, at least that's the ones that have told me, that, that maybe that means more to Arkansas and its fan base than LSU as far as this overall rivalry. But the boot has spent a lot of time here in Baton Rouge. It is currently in Baton Rouge, so I know there's a little piece of that that wants to keep it right here where it belongs. Not only that, I don't believe we play Arkansas next year, and who knows what the future schedule is going to look like. So <laughs> Keep it here for a couple you, of years. You might have the boot for a while, <laughs> and that's good because carrying the boot around is very hard to do. It takes several people to carry that boot on and off the field. All right, it'll be a 6 o'clock start, Arkansas and LSU. Let's go to the head Tiger. Here's Coach Brian Kelly. notes here organized all right good afternoon uh, we'll begin with a recap from this past weekend um, you know going on the road playing an 11 a.m. game requires uh, you know for our team to think the right way I thought they did a great job of um, thinking right about the trip itself you know it's easy to think about how difficult and how early and instead they thought about it as you know, a great opportunity uh, to be the first game up, um, to go on the road and uh, play four quarters with uh, the competitive edge that um, they've been looking for in terms of playing for four quarters. Um, and, you know, there's always that sense of uh, playing early and, and getting back home. So I, I thought they did a great job of, um, you know, thinking the right way. And then, you know, you have to flip that switch from, you know, preparation to performance. And to do that, you've got to play with a sense of urgency and you've got to have the emotional control, uh, but p play with an edge. And, and um, they got off to a fast start, um, you know, played with great effort and enthusiasm. There was, there was uh, really an attention to the details out there and, um, you know, finished strong. So that's what we're looking for from our football team. Um, that's an identity that we want to create each and every week. Um, and certainly one that we believe that we can be. Uh, now it's about building on that and, and uh, looking for that uh, consistency. There were some obviously some great performances um, as highlighted by um, Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors being named the SEC Co-Offensive Players of the Week. Um, you know, the uh, 
the the play of the two of them, um, you know, was was certainly elite. Uh, Daniels, 425 yards of total offense. You know the numbers, uh, but you know, I think if you really look at it closely, some of the things that maybe don't get the the attention was his presence in the pocket and how many times he got hit after delivering, you know, a great throw. Um, sometimes we cut it off and see the ball in the air, but you, you don't see the, the, the play all the way through and made some great throws under duress. Those, those are NFL throws, some of the ones that he made, um, not backing down, staying in the pocket, knowing that he was going to get hit and still delivering the ball with with great accuracy. And Neighbors, obviously, his ability to um, handle any coverage variations. Um, and look, some again, the things that, that sometimes don't get talked about, um, he maintains space on the field. Um, he carves out an opportunity um, to catch the ball. Uh, many times we see defenders squeeze out offensive players. Uh, Malik is strong and physical as well, and he can, uh, he can hold his line and, and, and give the quarterback an opportunity. So uh, hats off to both of those guys. Um, great work, and, um, you know, look to do the same. Um, I, I don't know that there's any reason why they can't continue to um, uh, play at that level. Um, you know, obviously, uh, defensively holding Mississippi State to seven total yards on their first uh, three possessions. Um, you know, I thought defensively coming together, um, allowing just uh, under a yard, 100 yards rushing in, in the SEC in terms of anything that you do uh, is a job well done. Third down, we were really efficient. We got off the field. Um, and again, harassed the quarterback, you know, got the quarterback down, had sacks, did the things that you need to do in the SEC. You've got to play that kind of defense. So all in all, um, uh, a great performance on the road and now something that we need to uh, certainly build on um, moving forward. Um, get a chance now to play another SEC opponent in Arkansas. Um, I think we all know about this game. It is a hard-fought physical game uh, each and every year. I think the last three years have been decided by a total of something like nine points, I think. It's, uh, it's a rivalry trophy, battle for the boot, annual, annual trophy between the two schools that started back in the, the mid-'90s. So I know our guys understand uh, who they're playing uh, and the tough games that we've had with them, including last year. Um, so they'll be prepared for that. Now it's about preparing the right way again this week, and then, you know, playing with that competitive edge. So uh, looking forward to that. They've got some really good players. Sam Pettman does a great job. I have a ton of respect for Sam, and he'll have his team ready to play. Bouncing back uh, after last week's loss, uh, he'll have his team uh, ready to go, and we'll have to respond in kind. Um, you know, K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback, uh, three-year starter, I think we all know about his size and strength. Uh, he can run the football. Um, Raheem Sanders, A.J. Green, two outstanding backs, uh, Armstrong. Uh, and the defense, although a new defensive coordinator, uh, outstanding coordinator coming from UCF. He's had great success, great pedigree in the SEC. You know, was with Kevin Steele uh, at Auburn. So uh, we know we've got our hands full. So uh, certainly um, 
looking forward to being in uh, Tiger Stadium um, this Saturday. Uh, we're going to take advantage of being there because we won't be back for a little bit. So um, we'll talk about that and um, make sure our guys relish the opportunity of playing at home. We had a couple of guys that did not play. Um, I'll talk about them briefly. Um, first of all, Omar Spates uh, had that what we uh, felt like was a lower body injury. I would list him now as probable. Ovia Gufu, the same thing, lower body injury. I'd list him as probable. Same thing with Mason Taylor. All of those will be probable. Uh, Greg Brooks is out. Um, uh, he, again, I, I don't have a lot that I can report on Greg. It is, um, it is a family uh, matter, um, so I'm not going to speak on on the family's behalf, if there's anything that I can get to you further uh, after I speak with the family, we'll certainly give you information. But uh, Greg is, is dealing with a, a medical emergency, and um, he will not be available. So with that, we'll open it up to questions. Coach, is it uh, right up here Just to your left? Is it Greg's medical emergency? Or yes. Okay. Greg, Greg has a medical emergency. Um, just the defense that you rolled out there, you know, had one of the best showings of the year. Obviously, it had a lot of new faces. Was that the best 11 that you could put out there, or was it the best 11 at the time? Did you feel really good about it in retrospect? Yeah, we did. I mean, we had a lot of confidence that, um, you know, Braden Swinson would be able to go in there and, and, and play at a high level. We had during the year, you know. Um, you know, Whit Weeks, uh, we knew what we had. We had a young player, certainly a true freshman, but it, you know, he can run all over the field. He's extremely athletic. Um, you know, I think you, you get a little concerned when you play a lot of true freshmen. Um, you know, certainly in the back end of your defense. Um, Ryan Yates came in and thought, played really well. He was clean. He was disciplined in his alignments. Uh, he was assignment correct. But, you know, you got three true freshmen on the field. Um, on the road in the SEC, I don't think you're running around going, oh, this is great. Uh, but we have confidence in them that they could go out and, and play well. I think what it shows more than anything else, and, and Coach uh, and I were talking about this, um, Coach House, is that we have more than 11, and, and we need to play them more. It's kind of like what we talked about the week before um, with um, Guillory and, and certainly Jefferson at the tackle position. They didn't play enough the week before. They played much more, and you can see how that helps our rotation at the defensive line. I think you'll see now that we can play a lot more at the linebacker position and the safety position. With that coach right over here, uh, you mentioned Spates being probable for this week. You know, how in your experience have you handled having a young guy like Weeks with Spates having so much experience and just handling kind of that role going forward with those guys and having obviously playable depth? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the guy that's really um, settled this for us in terms of, you know, whoever he's been with has been Greg Penn. Uh, Greg's been outstanding. He's a settling um, factor out there for us. He gets guys lined up. Uh, he communicates very well. Um, and, and that's a guy that uh, we want to keep on the field. So, you know, we'll be moving guys around to complement that. And, and I think – you know, the best rotation keeps Greg on the field, and then we'll move guys in and out with him. In the middle here, Coach. Do you ever think about over the last year and a half where you would be without Jaden Daniels? Yeah, you know, I, he, he's been outstanding. Obviously, we've won a lot of football games, and certainly his ability to um, – 
win the game with his feet or, in this instance, you know, throwing the football and running the ball. Um, you know, he was, he was as good as anybody in the country. And, and we've seen a development now that we're, what, in, we were in week three. I think if you look at week three last year, um, and it, was it the week we threw for 85 yards? Uh, I think it was. And, and uh, now he's throwing for, you know, 30 for 34. So we've seen incredible development at the position. And I think that that's what's more exciting than where would we be without Daniels is – it's it's fun to watch the development of a quarterback in that respect. Uh, Matthew Bruneth on three. Uh, Mason Smith now through two games. Just how have you seen him continue to get comfortable and where do you think he's at? Yeah, I think he's getting there. I mean, we saw some things that he, he wasn't doing against Grambling that now he's starting to impact the game a little bit more. And I think that will continue to grow as he continues to play himself in, in a position where he can play at a high level each and every snap. So, you know, he's, he's uh, physically a, a presence in there. And uh, we expect him to uh, continue as the season progresses. Um, he's going to be an impact player for us. So feel good about where he's gone over the last couple of weeks and um, expect to see more of him um, as we move forward. Yeah, Brian, in the, in the middle, sorry. Um, you've gone for it eight times on fourth down so far this year. It would have been nine um, with the, the first drive on Saturday. Right, right. Um, does that have anything to do with the, the clock changes? Have you philosophically changed it all just when you, you decide to be aggressive and when not to? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I've talked about this a little bit before. I, I think I use a combination of good sense in terms of what the game feels like. We use analytics, so I'm, I'm plugged into what the analytics are telling me relative to fourth down. And as you know, you know most of the analytics are, are, are much more aggressive than we are as we watch the game, right? You know, fourth and, you know, two or three, um, used to be considering a field goal inside the 10. Now it's almost 100% go for it. Um, so I think it's a combination of getting a sense and feel for the game and how how you feel like you might have control or not control of the game, plus the use of analytics. Um, and then when you have a quarterback that, that is multidimensional, uh, it really puts a defense in a bind. So I think we have those three factors working for us when we get the fourth down calls. Uh, hey, Coach, right down here. Um, just, you know, it's two years now in a row where you guys have played freshmen early in their careers and they've largely responded. Just, I'm wondering just as a whole, though, how does that affect you guys on the recruiting trail? I mean, just over the last couple of weeks, I know you can't go into specifics with this, but just the conversations and stuff that you're talking to with these recruits about just you come here and you develop and you can see the field early and, and play often with us. Yeah, look, everybody I think is – you know, in this recruiting uh, cycle, um, you know, we're recruiting young men that, that believe and, and have confidence uh, in themselves that they can play right away. Um, and, and certainly there are other factors that uh, they consider now uh, in making decisions on where to go looking at the depth chart and, and looking at, well, you know, can this help my, you know, NIL? I mean, there are other factors now involved in that. So what we can tell them, and this is what I tell them all the time, um, I'm not afraid to play freshmen, um, but I'm going to play the best players. 
And if that is a freshman, I'm playing a freshman. If that's a graduate transfer, I'll play a graduate transfer. And um, I think our track record shows that the best players are going to play. And if you're a freshman and you can handle it um, mentally and physically, we'll put you on the field. Brian, speaking of freshmen, of all the great plays you guys had Saturday, the one that got the most attention in replay was Caleb Jackson yeah. uh, running over the safety <laughs> right in front of your bench. I was kind of curious what went through your mind when that play happened. And, and, and we see uh, media fans we, and, and fans, we see a uh, you know, player who's making great individual plays. Do you see the same thing? Or you see someone who's still developing and still has a lot to learn? Or, you know, where, where are you with, with him and what he can contribute to the team? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the obvious answer is a physicality, uh, explosiveness, um, but a young man that is still learning how to play this game. Remember now, if you look back on his high school career, he, he was not a four-year player even in high school. So, you know, he's learning how to play the game every time he steps on the field. And he's terrific to coach. I mean, he, you know, the great part about it is he doesn't have much baggage. You know, he's learning a lot about the game as we go along. You know, we're talking to him about, um, you know, some of the rules as it relates to kickoff. You know, if the, if the impetus of the ball goes into the end zone and it hits you, it's, you don't have to take it out. These are foreign things to him. So, you know, just teaching him the game and him learning the game is kind of where we're at with him. Um, but it's easy to see the raw physical ability. But there's so much more to that. And that's... That's if you, and I know you did, you watched the game closely, you saw what Diggs and, and Williams were able to do in third down protections against a very difficult scheme. Caleb's not ready for that. He will get ready for that, but he's just not there yet. Uh, Coach Savion Jones seemed to really impact the game early, pressure on the first drive, sack on the second drive. What are you seeing out of him? Just moving better. You know, here's a bigger guy that is starting to, to come into his size. Um, you know, he, he, he put on a lot of weight in the offseason. Good weight, um, but, but he's now having to play um, more football than he's ever played. Um, he's, he's starting to get a sense of how to train and put himself in a position to uh, handle himself with this new role that he has. And I, I think he's only going to continue to get better. We saw that suddenness. We saw that reaction that we weren't getting earlier in the year. The game's starting to get um, easier for him again. And, and I just think he's going to continue to get better. Over here, yep. Uh, Brett Martel with AP. Do you have examples from throughout your coaching career of teams that maybe uh, didn't do as well as expected right out of the gate? but turned out to be quite formidable that have been instructive to you as, as you kind of try to figure out what are the remedies for um, not starting the way you want in a season? Yeah, I mean, I, I could probably, you know, give you um, a number in 32 years of doing this. Um, uh, the specifics I'd have to take some time to think about. But I think that... <clears throat> Unless your team is ready-made, and, and I made it pretty clear with 14 transfers and the amount of freshmen that we were going to have to play, that's a red flag. I mean, if you're really looking at it carefully, that's going to require some tweaking. That's going to require for you to really understand that there's going to have to be some some movement in terms of changing direction, you know, with your team along the way. Um, 
we were able to do that, um, I think, and I think we're finding the formula uh, for this team. But I think that, you know, most teams that I've had, th th there haven't been as many that are just add water <laughs> and, and just go. Uh, they all require a little bit of, you know, changing the formula as the season goes along to get the right mix. Uh, competitive edge was a phrase that was used a lot after week one. This was the first game that I think I saw LSU push first instead of get pushed. How much of that was a point of emphasis, that that, that toughness, I guess, out of your team and, and kind of taking it to the other team early? Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> clearly, uh, you know, we're looking for gentlemen off the field but not gentlemen on the field. Um, and, you know, I would say that uh, – you know, going back to what's the right mix, um, I, want, I want tough guys on the field that play the game the right way. Um, I don't want to be, um, you know, a team that's penalized and, and, and we hurt our team. But, but we, want, we want guys that, that have a toughness to them. And then off the field, we want gentlemen. We might have played like gentlemen both on the field and off the field. And um, that's not who we are. And I think we're trying to find that identity. I think we're getting close to, closer to it. KJ Jefferson is a guy that's obviously been starting for years for Arkansas. Just your evaluation of him and if you've noticed anything different with his development this year. Well, I think it's like any other quarterback, right? I mean, when you get into the final year and, and where you feel like this is your year, um, you, you, you want to do well. And, and I think, you know, he's, he certainly feels like this is his year to showcase himself. So, um, you know, I thought maybe, you know, if you look at the last quarters, he's trying to make plays. Um, but he's got a lot of new players around him as well, you know. So it's not all about him. You know, I mean, he's got some young players that, that have to develop or new players that have to develop around him. But he's still the big physical athletic quarterback that uh, scares you. Um, he's hard to bring down. Uh, he's got a live arm. Um, and, and we're going to be prepared for him to play his best against us. Hey, Coach, over here. Um, just building off of that, uh, you talked about playing against some mobile quarterbacks early in the season and y'all played against Will Rogers, had a lot of success, maybe not as mobile as the other quarterbacks y'all played against, but what are some things that can take away that can translate to the success y'all had on Saturday against Will Rogers against another mobile quarterback? Well, I think fundamentally, you know, a lot of the things that, that we talk about are, you know, keeping the ball in leverage the defense, you know, keeping the ball inside the pocket, you know, making quarterbacks earn it uh, instead of, you know, giving up, you know, easy, um, you know, uh, rush lanes. You know, all those things that are that are the fundamentals of playing good defense. Um, we we weren't on on point early on. We were much better on Saturday um, when we leveraged the ball, when we held the point, when when we did our job. We made it very difficult for uh, Mississippi State. We're going to look to do the same. Coach, what are the pros and cons offensively on third and short, fourth and short, running out of the shotgun as opposed to getting under center and then handing it to a guy? And, and what do you debate there? Um, it's, it's really about, you know, where, where, where are the reps taken the most? Like, what do you do the most in your offensive structure? If you're a, a team that runs shotgun 
like we do 99% of the time, um, do you carve out, you know, how much time do you carve out for a direct snap offense? Because you have to carve out time for that. And, and then you have to be able to put in that uh, time within your practice structure um, to work on your direct snap. With direct snap, you have to think about direct snap quick game, play action pass, um, you know, all the things that go along with that, five-step, seven-step drop. So, you know, we have all that. Um, it's just, you know, is it from what we do with a quarterback that can run option, is that best suit a Jaden Daniels? That might suit another quarterback that we have to run a little bit more direct snap. But with a guy like Jaden Daniels, it suits us better to be in the shotgun. Yeah, Ron, right here, uh, two questions. First, uh, Harold Jackson, did he seem like he was back in his comfort zone Saturday? And the second one is, what did Mississippi State do to take uh, Will out of his, I mean, out of his, I guess, he usually plays pretty consistent, but he, he had a rough game on the offensive line. So I think with, with Perk, I think just playing with that energy, you know, playing with that edge, um, you know, he's got to learn where that, you know, where that balancing act is, right? We don't want to get him in a position where he's taking a swing at somebody and he's out of the game, but he's got to play with energy. He's got to play with emotion. That's, that's how he plays the game the best, and I thought he brought that. I thought he brought that competitive edge, and that's, that's going to put him in a position to get to the quarterback and set the edge and run people down, and you just got to play. he's just got to play that way. And I think he was tweaking it and trying to find that. Early on, he was playing inside. He was thinking a lot. He was slowing down. I think he's coming back to finding what that balance is. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the, the first penalty on the goal line, that, that was on our center. The center did not snap the ball on the clap. Uh, Will gets called for um, a uh, procedure penalty. Um, the holding, I, look, I, we know all about holding, right? Um, it, 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 it is debatable um, on the call. Um, the only one that I had a conversation with him is the retaliatory action with the helmet. And I said, look, you know, you wear seven and you're a captain. you you got to make better decisions. But... That's the first time I've ever talked to him about making a bad decision going into his sophomore year. So I think we're on the plus side when it comes to that with Will Campbell. Just a real quick, do you know when Greg might be back again? Do not. Okay. Do not. And what was it kind of about Whit Weeks that y'all liked and trusted in him to be able to make a start in an SEC game for the first time? Um, first of all, he has elite speed at the position. He can cover the field. He can run mistakes down. And when you can run mistakes down, you know, that gives you a real advantage in terms of playing the position. The second thing is he sees an open gap, he's going to take it. Now, you saw that early in the game. He shot the gap, TFL. He's got, you know, obviously there's a learning curve there. There are some things that he did that, you know, we're going to have to continue to work with. But when you have a guy that's that athletic, uh, has a really good sense in pass coverage. He's not lost out there in pass coverage. And, and I would say that that probably is the reason why he's out there, because he's not lost in anything. Can he get better in areas? Absolutely. And then he makes up for a lot of that with, with high-end athletic ability. Um, Mississippi State was oh, in the back. Mississippi State was the first of five SEC games for the team. How do we see that this weekend's performance is um, – reciprocated in the next couple weeks? And then how have you seen the team's adjustment to the no-stop clock rule on first downs? 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's the challenge, right? I mean, we're going to play four more SEC opponents. Um, we need all hands on deck. We've got to be able to play um, with the same kind of competitive edge, the same kind of preparation. This is, this is the grind of it now, right? This is where you get into uh, your process and, and making sure that everybody has a, um, an understanding of doing the little things the right way every single day. This is, we're off and running now. This is, um, this is the good stuff for, for coaches. Players, maybe not so much. They want to get to Saturday, but we've got to keep them focused on every single day. The, the, the clock rule really has no effect uh, on what we do and how we operate. Um, it, it's, it's stopped before the half, and it's stopped uh, at the end of the game. Um, so if it didn't get stopped there, maybe there would be some alterations and changes that you would make. But because it's stopped in those critical possessions, it really hasn't affected us at all. Thank you. Well, let's recap, LSU. No problem with Mississippi State, 41-14. Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors, SEC Co-Offensive Players of the Week, announced earlier today. And Coach Brian Kelly said overall just a, a solid performance, and now the Tigers try to build on that uh, as they put it in the rear view and get ready for Arkansas coming into Tiger Stadium this coming Saturday with kickoff at 6 o'clock. We did find out after Coach Kelly made it to the podium that uh, LSU and Ole Miss in Oxford, that one's going to kick off at 5 o'clock coming up a week from this Saturday. We'll be back to wrap up this week's Brian Kelly Press Conference presented by Hancock Whitney right after this. This is the Brian Kelly Press Conference presented by Hancock Whitney. Wraps up another press conference as LSU prepares to take on Arkansas this coming Saturday. Kickoff just after 6 o'clock Saturday night in Death Valley for this year's Battle of the Boot. Coming up on Thursday, it's the Brian Kelly Show, live from TJ Ribs. All gets started at 7 o'clock. Come out and join us for dinner, listen to Coach, or uh, join us from wherever you are. Again, with the LSU Sports Radio Network and the LSU Sports Mobile app, presented by BASF. Coming up on Saturday, we'll kick things off over at Tiger One. Brandon Taylor, Marlon Favright, Hunt Palmer will start our day at 4 o'clock, leading up to the 6 o'clock start, and Doug Morrow, Gordy Rush will join me inside Legendary Tiger Stadium for another meeting of Arkansas and LSU. Thank you for stopping by once again this week. Hope you'll join us again next Monday at the same time. Thanks to Gordy Rush for sitting in, and we'll see you on Saturday night in Death Valley. This has been the Brian Kelly Press Conference, presented by Hancock Whitney. This has been the Brian Kelly Press Conference, presented by Hancock Whitney.